Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Podcast, the one that you heard about, talking sports media, buzz and the word of mouth, social is the currency, seeing what the buzz will be, talking sports and culture, you never know what'll be coming next, cause that's the type of podcast you listen to, powered by the hyper, brands who the man, yo, Ryan at the forefront, got it on my iTunes, walking through the storefront, listen to the broadcast, it touches almost anything, sports, culture, media, technology, and marketing, so listen to the man right ahead of his time, on your podcast, you can download or listen live, so here comes the podcast here comes your host the burger shop now live from coast to coast in any way you want to do it listen to the show ron got the insights the burger shop you know Episode 31, April 25th. It is a Monday, April 25th, 5 p.m. We are taping this podcast live today in New York City, downtown Manhattan, World Trade Center for World Trade, where we will be joined by a couple of different individuals who have a really interesting sports startup technology companies. And that's sort of the theme today is talking about uh, the intersection of sports uh, and social and how the technology has brought the two together. I am Ryan Berger, taking you through the next hour, 80 minutes of uh, Inside the Burger Shop, a podcast discussion at the intersection of sports, entertainment, marketing, culture, and technology. It is uh, a huge pleasure to be with you again. Of course, you can follow uh, and subscribe to Inside the Burger Shop on iTunes as well, so feel free to hit that button and subscribe and listen along. Uh, it's funny, I was just emailing, uh, exchanging some notes with my buddy Darren Ravel over at ESPN, and what a crazy sports day it's been uh, in the morning with the announcement that uh, Tom Terrific or Tom Shady or Tom Brady is suspended for the first four games. The flight gate is back in the news um, and uh, led right into the Sam Bradford uh, trade request and sort of the strange happenings that are going on in Philadelphia with the Eagles um, and trading up to get the second pick and paying Bradford all that money and now him requesting a trade and then going into uh, something that I didn't think I'd ever see again in Twitter especially, a trending topic, Bobby Knight. Uh, back trending, Bobby Knight will be campaigning with the Donald, Donald Trump, 
uh, Thursday in Indiana, which should get uh, a lot of attention and a lot of uh, a lot of fans uh, attending that. And and then of course the biggest news, which is uh, a great news for Golden State fans and NBA fans all around, and that's the the news that Stephen Curry has a strained knee. He will be out uh, two about two weeks. Um, certainly won't be easy for Golden State, uh, taking on most likely the Clippers, although uh, Portland will make it really tough for the Clippers to get out of this first round, although I think in the end the Clippers will prevail. And they'll get Curry's, uh, they'll get Curry's Warriors minus Steph for potentially the beginning or maybe the entire series. And uh, you know, I've seen Golden State enough without Curry to realize and know that they don't, they're not coming out of the East without Steph. So it's after such an amazing season, season it's good to know that uh that Steph will be back uh hopefully in the next couple of weeks but a sort of a crazy sports day uh on Monday uh April 25 which doesn't happen all the time and uh we had a great show uh one of our biggest shows ever last show and we spoke to uh Peter Vesey who I saw was on uh Evan and Joe this morning Pete with a big scoop over the weekend that uh, the Knicks looking at Coach Blatt was sort of a smokescreen, but that at the end of the day, it's all about uh, Kurt Rambis being the coach. Um, so Pete was you know, incredibly gracious in providing us with his time uh, last week, and we thank Peter Vesey for all the time that he spent with us last week on the podcast. As I said, it was one of the biggest shows we, uh, we had, so thanks for Pete. And of course, thanks to Hyper for providing us with all the incredible data that they always do throughout um, our shows, and uh, Hyper is the leading search engine and uh, database for celebrities and influencers in the world. You can find out more information at hyperbrands, H-Y-P-R-Brands.com. As you know, we also will be running the Hyper Heat Index, the Hyper Heat Report, towards the end of the show when we get finished with Darren and Anthony. And uh, we will get three individuals in the news today. Of course, as I mentioned, Tom Brady, uh, Alex Rodriguez, who's gotten off to a horrific start in New York this season, and John Tavares, a name that a lot of people probably don't know, but a guy who uh, might be the best player in hockey and put on an absolute show last night for the Islanders. And uh, we'll talk to Darren in one second, who's a big, big Canada guy and a big hockey fan, as well as other sports, and uh, hopefully he's been able to get off the golf course a little bit and uh, join us for a couple minutes. So, Dan, welcome to Inside the Burger Shop. Looking forward to uh, chatting a little bit. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, so um, we started this podcast about four or five months ago. Uh, talking about the intersection of sports and technology and sports and uh, social. You've been at the forefront on a lot of different things in the space. Um, but before that, you're a media guy. You know, you sort of came out of the media space. How did you get involved in this, sort of just to kick it off? And we'll talk a little bit about what you guys are up to. That's true. The You know, sports is ultimately a media business. And, you know, my past life – um, you know, I was in uh, the advertising media space, started a digital ad agency uh, that sold to one of the bigger ad agency holding companies called Aegis Media. And what kind of sparked my interest, not outside of just being a sports fan, um, you know, more of the sports media opportunity was uh, a company we had sort of introduced me um, in the group, introduced me to the, you know, the business of sport and it, 
and really what the underpinning of the business of sport is it all ultimately all drives back to fan engagement and and so the you know the the, the topic today ultimately but you know the it, it is such a uh, exciting and and vast opportunity for you know all different you know all the different players in in the sports business down to the fan and and that's what really captivated me and, and interests me to, to to build a business in that in that space and, and the business from where we started, you know, in 2011 to where it is today is vastly different, but the themes are still the same. And, um, you know, the opportunity is still the same and it is the biggest, um, you know, f- biggest component of the entertainment business, in my opinion, and the, the da- data and I, you know, hearing your podcast and you're talking about, um, you know, down to, you know, an individual team up to leagues, up to kind of global opportunities and governing bodies. It, it really doesn't get bigger of an opportunity than this. You know, it's interesting growing up and being at the at sporting events, the interactiveness that was happening was either on the court or maybe on the big screen. And, you know, one of the things you guys have done incredibly well at one-up uh, games is you actually take in the fan who has a phone and every fan has one. And the more you go to games, the more you watch people staring at their phones the whole time. Um, you're a guy who forever has been all about mobile, and you've clearly found a way to sort of take advantage of that world. So talk about the power of how, how powerful mobile is and how you guys have been able to carve out a niche in that space. Now, I remember you had said to me a couple of years ago the key to making it all happen is simplicity, that the more complicated a game – uh, the harder it is for a team to buy into, a league to buy into. You have partnerships with every major league and, and, and of course, some of the biggest names out there. Um, we'll talk a little bit about mobile and, of course, the idea of simplicity is better in this space. Well, I think, you, you know, you said it best. The challenge anybody has in the media business, whether you're in sports or music or any, any uh, facet, is – um, you've got a limited attention span with the the end consumer. Um, the benefit in sport is it's a push pull, so the fan is searching or seeking information, which could be anything from uh, you know a, a fantasy element to a highlight to um, a shareable piece of content. You know the 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 three point show that a Steph Curry is gonna gonna put up in a game, as an example, um, down to um, on the push side, the, the the team or the league or the governing body pushing relevant offers and content to the fan, and 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 that can't be done in real time or at scale anymore outside of mobile. And mobile is the the only um, you know the only te- technology available that's that that that's sitting in the pocket of that end consumer. So it it is the most important marketing tool or connection tool to all aspects of, of the media business. If down from the content owner, the rights owner, to the, to the sponsor and brand who's ultimately funding a lot of these initiatives and putting the product on the, uh, on the ice of the field or the court, um, and then the fan who needs it as a communication tool and a, and a social tool. And simplicity, simplicity is key because that fan's attention span is deteriorating year over year. And we cannot demand more of that fan. We need to, to service and deliver a product that can that can uh, engage and get what we need to get out of them without asking too much. And that's where we focused for our entire company's history. 
So it's sort of interesting because as these new technologies continue to uh, appear and be, continue to get bigger and bigger, at the same time, the idea of actually going to games, um, a lot of people feel has has sort of gone by the wayside a little bit when you think about how incredible the experience is at home, certainly with football, with the big television, with replays, having your phone in your hand as opposed to going to a game where you might not have as sort of as good of wireless that you're looking for. Um, have you been involved in that whole world of kind of how do you find ways to increase people coming to games and having fun and engaging at games? Or do you feel like people play your games most of the time when they're home? Well, our, our product has, has evolved from, you know, a singular live mobile fantasy game to now uh, an, kind of an all-omnipresent, um, you know, mobile platform that even, you know, that's taking over the entire experience in stadia and at home. And, you know, when I think about one, you know, in the New York market, as an example, um, our partners, be it teams uh, for some of our some of our partners, um, they really need to drive that fan to the stadium, uh, especially in leagues like the NFL and uh, the NHL, et cetera, need to get people in stadium. That's still where their business is, is done and their transactions are done. Um, and it's the, the delineation between a league and a, and a, and a team. So it's important that we play a role in that value chain to drive people to the stadium. Um, and again, the transactional element is buying the pretzels and the hot dogs and the beer and, and the merchandise at the stadium and, and hopefully turning you from a, you know, a single game uh, participant to a season ticket package. So that whole value chain is not going away. That's how they run their business. So we're sort of in the middle where we've got to be respectful of that and be a contributor to that, but also we're a big proponent uh, per the you know heritage of our company of of enhancing that live viewing experience at home and you know watching a football game does it get any better than a really big screen at home with all your comforts and all the tools that make watching you know an NFL game at home uh, fun and great and and that's you know the balance we have to play and and our product and our products sorry uh, service kind of the fan anywhere they are and that's really key to our strategy moving forward. We're talking to the CEO of One Up Sports Network, the fastest-growing digital sports network out there, Darren Trustell. You could follow Darren on Twitter at D T R O U S at D Trust. Um, you know, you, you mentioned your game has sort of, or games have progressed in significantly from sort of a single player, uh, single idea into an entire network. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, you have an audience here who sort of people who uh, have new ideas, don't aren't really sure how to get them off the ground, don't know who to talk to within the sports departments. Um, talk a little bit about sort of how this thing has evolved from where it started to where it is today, uh, A, and B, you know, offices in Toronto, offices in New York, offices in, in Florida down by where I know you live. Um, give us a sense of sort of what the business looks like today. You know, who are you guys working with? What are the kinds of games you guys are offering? Um, because I think it would be good for the audience to get an understanding of really at the end of the day, what do you guys do? What do you do every day? And, and what's worked? So, again, from where we started to where we are today, it's a, a vastly different company and opportunity. And, and the big shift for us and the insights that we glean from our initial business as a mobile gaming product um, 
we've morphed really into a fan-focused digital network, which serves a platform and content uh, that lives within that platform to engage the fan 24-7, especially during uh, live games through our mobile properties. So what, what, what our challenges were and things we faced in this business that's different than, you know, other businesses is sports is a very, um, is a very tough business to crack in terms of getting access to the highly coveted rights and, and the marks that really make this business go round, which are the league down to the team, uh, you know, imagery, logos, et cetera, alignments, and you know we you know we were very focused early on to to create a product which was our first product uh, to market, uh, which was a live gaming product called Connect. We we built something that we felt had a lot of meaning to those rights owners and and that that part of the world that would would move the needle and it did, and that was sort of that first step and that using this technology innovation really helped move our business forward to today. Um, we're much a, a much bigger opportunity still with the same DNA and mobile, but the business today is is uh, a much expanded offering um, focused on delivering content to that coveted 18 to 35 male demographic and creating both an opportunity for ourselves and our partners being leagues, teams, and also sports media properties all over the place. We have 2,100 partners in our network now. Um, as well as, and, and for our world, most importantly, the brands that align with us and buy uh, and buy advertising sponsorship and access to our audience, um, we're working day in and day out tirelessly to deliver uh, access to the fan in new and exciting ways that you know create deeper connections and better opportunities for them and make their money go further than the traditional ad buy in the regular television or uh, digital sports network. Interesting. So you've actually built up such a fan base, uh, so now you have the ability to turn to brands and others and sort of act as a quasi-agency in a way by bringing them uh, your fans um, and giving them access to them in a way that uh, the fans would appreciate? Exactly. And this really started uh, about a year ago when we bought a company called Cinesport in New York, um, which was a which was sort of a, a path we were starting to go down in the digital video space, um, where video video is really becoming a, an important part of our offering, but we didn't really have video capabilities. So we we bought a company that was the independent leader, and now bringing that together, we we serve a much deeper and broader offering, um, and give give brands from an agency sort of type model access to create and reach the sports fan at speed and scale that they can't get in the, in, in any other platform. The video meaning the chance for brands to reach them, but as far as playing your games, is there video involved in those sort of games? Yep. No, no, no. We've, you know, the majority of our advertising and fan engagement has moved to video. Wonderful. Really good stuff. So, you know, one of the things that's always obviously impressive, 2,100 partners partnering with the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, PGA, NASCAR. And, and the thing that I was intrigued by is individual college teams, an area that has always been challenging for lots of brands and lots of fan engagement tools. But it's also the area where there's such a huge 
amount of fans, both on campus and probably the biggest fans, the alumni. Um, how'd you break into the college uh, space? What are you doing in the college space, and whom are you guys working with to deliver uh, some of your games? So when we broke into the college space, you know, again, the initial idea was call is exactly what you said, college and you know, it's it's embedded and extended audience potential is humongous. Could we and we started with our gaming product, could we, you know, bring that to market there? And we tried some tests and found that college is just a really big open opportunity in mobile in general and, and there wasn't a uh there wasn't an enhancement layer that, you know, made the experience better for the fan or got them closer to the game or helped them, you know, whether they're in stadium. Um, so we, we started piecing together what that offering would be and, you know, brought some different technologies together, uh, in starting in 2014. And we ended up with a few schools, one being a relationship with Villanova. And then we brought in, um, some different work we were doing with, you know, schools like Xavier and, and, and really top basketball schools. We seem to kind of center around and um, use the tech, put the tech in place, got it to market to the fan and started learning and reacting to what we were seeing, which actually led to an interesting insight, which was part of our 2100 partner makeup really started to be the non-affiliated partners too. So in Kentucky, we have a property in our network called Kentucky Sports Radio, which you know has an even bigger, deeper, more committed audience than the school's property. So we started broadening what our, our focus was being audience-led rather than um, content-led first, and it, it totally changed the makeup of our network. How do you partner with somebody like that? Like, what, what does that mean when you say you, you, part, you partner with the Kentucky uh, radio, radio? So we, they go on our mobile platform, and in our mobile platform offers the live scoring, the live game casts, all their blog and uh, other blog and content, um, that they create on a daily basis goes in there, their podcasts. Um, and then what we do and any engagement pro- products that are relevant that we've built that would fit that audience. So whether it's gaming or, um, you know, other social components that we've built and what we do is put them on our platform and bring that audience to the center and make it easy for the ad community and the media community to buy and get access to that audience rather than having to, to look at the digital world as a property by property, uh, opportunity. So we've centralized that and said, hey, do you want, you know, college fans, Kentucky, Villanova, Xavier, like start kind of building a regional map around this opportunity and then start selling the virtues of what our engagement property drives, which is time spent, connection, return usage, social sharing, and use those secondary attributes as sort of clinchers and and, and why they should be part of this uh, community and opportunity. Really cool. Very, very cool. Again, we're talking to the CEO of uh, 1UP Sports Network, Darren Tristel. And Darren, one more thing before we let you go, as I know you're a busy family guy and got a lot of things going on. Hopefully your golf game has uh, continued to do really, really well. I, I hope and trust that you've done some practice. Your kid looks like he's got a great swing, huh? Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, my obsession has only become deeper and, and uh, bigger than the last time we played golf, so hopefully we can get out this summer um, yeah. in your neck of the woods. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I love the sport. I eat, you know, I, lo- I love all aspects of the sport. I love the business of the sport. My kids play in the sport, so it's uh, it's exciting. Um, 
but it is like you like you pointed out at the beginning it is hockey playoff season i was very uh sad not to see a canadian team in the league but when you see guys like tavares put up games like last night and um you know it's going to be exciting uh in terms of your hockey yeah, I'm looking forward. We're going to do a little bit on this in a little while. Can't wait till 8.30 tonight to see the Blues-Blackhawks uh, game. It's been a great first round in a lot of different areas, but the Islanders series has been great. The series that obviously was really disheartening for me to watch is what happened with the Rangers, who looked like their run over the past four or five years, their deep run caught up with them. A lot of uh, a lot of tired legs, older legs, and of course, you know, really nothing from Lundqvist. Uh, but I can't wait into that second round. That uh, Penguins Capital Series should be a classic, huh? I think so. But you're talking to a diehard Leafs fan who has no hope in sight, and will pr- most likely take all your tired old stars from the Rangers in the next trade cycle. So. Um, <laughs> very, very, <laughs> really uh, spoken, spoken well. I want to just uh, quickly uh, ask you before you jump. Um, you've did an unbelievable job of building clearly one of the leaders in the space uh, in sports technology and sports social. And uh, what's next um, as you guys continue to roll out this business plan, partnerships with every league, 2,100 partners and counting. Oh, what is sort of the next half year look like you, for you guys? And then 20. 17 as you continue to roll out you know more games and and deliver uh to more brands so we're we're really focused on getting our global footprint in place and and really attacking european soccer like it's just the data we we already have some some clubs over in europe on our platform and the the information data we're getting out of those those uh assets are it's mind-blowing that the increase in interest in north america um you know Tottenham hotspurs on our platform and i'm just looking at a club like that who, you know, now is, you know, in certain markets in the U.S., thanks to getting the games on nationally broadcast television, it's becoming a real interesting opportunity, and and we want to be there, and we want to be supporting it um, first and at scale. So we're going to be doing a lot of work in our international development, and and that includes presence there and also bringing them into the market here uh, in different ways. And then, you know, keep keep scaling, growing, make 2,100 partners, 5,000 by the end of the year. There's a lot of key metrics we have that we need to get done and, and work we've got to do. We've, you know, lots of field to plow, and, but this opportunity is is way bigger than I ever thought it was going to be. And thanks to, you know, what, 175 million engaged sports fans identified in, in the U.S. alone. Um, you know, this market potential is so big, so vast. There's so much room for uh the big guys and smaller guys like us to to grow and succeed and work together or not work together and still have a vibrant ecosystem that that is, has potential for everyone to 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 prosper. So that's what I'm focused on. Yeah, that's really it's really interesting because so many people say, well, geez, you know, every idea has been thought about, or the big guys have had to have thought about this. But you know, your point on uh, there being so much room and such a big business for a lot of different people, as long as you have the right idea and the right product, is is a point that I think is very very smart. Um, and you've you've obviously you know done it the right way and have been on both sides of the the table, both on the media and the sports side. So keep up the great work and uh, thanks for spending a couple minutes with us uh, on Inside the Burger Shop today. I look forward to uh, keeping it in the fairway with you a little bit this summer. All right, man. Thank you. Good luck. Take care. Thanks, Dan. Be well. That's... Um 
Darren Truesdell, the CEO of One Up Sports Networks, One Up Games, the leader in uh, digital sports, the fastest-growing sports digital network out there. Uh, tremendous amount of games, as Darren talked about, 2,100 partners partnering with every major league, NFL, NBA, MLB, an impossible league for uh, technology and tools to partner with, PGA Golf, NASCAR, individual college teams. He mentioned the world champion uh, college hoops, Villanova, and more. So just an unbelievable business that Darren has built, uh, former uh, advertising guy, uh, Canada guy, um, now making his uh, – working on his golf game and building a family and raising a family down in South Florida. And again, we thank Darren and the whole team from one up sports network for having Darren on the inside the burger shop podcast brought to you by hyper. And so we touched a little bit on it and I thought it would be a good time to sort of get into that hyper hyper heat index or the hyper heat report as we've been calling. And I want to start, with John Tavares is the first guy that uh, we look at. And uh, it's a, probably a guy that not a lot of people know who he is, but he's probably uh, one of the best hockey players in the world. Two unbelievable goals last night in a just a crazy series against the Florida Panthers, which the Islanders won in six games, a bunch of overtime games, a bunch of one-goal games. Tavares is just an absolute stud. It's amazing to hear or know how quiet of a name he is here in New York City. He actually plays in Brooklyn. We know from the hyper data, Tavares is about 130,000 followers on Twitter and getting about 250 likes per post. Not a big social guy, Tavares. Doesn't have a big presence on Instagram or Facebook, uh, but does use Twitter. Um, and uh, and as we know, he has moved his home from uh, New York's uh, Long Island, where they played their home games, out into Brooklyn at the Barclays. When we look at the breakdown of his audience analytics, and again, just to remind everybody, when we look at the Hyper Heat report, Hyper is one of the only companies, if not the only company in the world, to have audience analytics across every social media platform. So when we look at John Tavares' social media numbers on Twitter, we know that 75% of his followers are men. We know that his age group, from the standpoint of who follows him, is about 60% between 26 to 39, so a big bulk following in the, his wheelhouse. 54% um, of his following is Caucasian, with a big 14% African-American and a 22% Hispanic. So it's interesting. That's a big number from a African-American uh, audience, uh, which is interesting because of hockey, which is not traditionally an African-American sport, although um, what you've seen, obviously, in the move to uh, Brooklyn has allowed a lot more people, a lot more people who live in a city and certainly a big city, to get their eyes on uh, on Tavares. But about 50% of his followers are from the United States, and almost 30% of his followers are from Canada. And that, of course, makes a lot of sense with Tavares as a hockey player. So interesting to look at uh, John Tavares numbers. And as I said, we look at people each week who are in the news here in the hyper heat report and the second person who's in the news today and we've talked about him a bunch on this show is is tom brady and uh brady uh better known as tom terrific 
Um, did not get some terrific news today. He found out he is suspended for the first four games of, of next season. And when you look at uh, Tom Terrific's numbers, again, just Facebook, over 3.6 million fans on Facebook, getting 100,000 likes for every post. So he puts something up before a playoff game or a picture of his kids with Giselle, 100,000 likes per post. How many are liking it because of him versus Giselle? Not sure, but the hyper data showing us about 100,000 likes per post. When you go into Tom Brady's uh, audience analytics, we see it's much more closer to 50-50 when you think about uh, who follows him. And, of course, that's because a very good-looking guy, Super Bowl, multi-Super Bowl champion, uh, model, wife, um, sort of global icon, global superstar. So 60% of his following is men and 40% is women. Very, very high female for uh, a football player. We also see his audience is interested in worldwide wrestling, which is really interesting. Interesting. Not only is he influential in football and basketball, but his fans love wrestling and his fans love golf. So similar audiences, if you follow golfers, you probably follow Tom Brady. If you follow wrestlers, you probably follow Tom Brady. When we look at the age breakdown of his audience, it's very equalized. Young, 12 to 18, about 8%. 19 to 25, about 21%, and the bulk is 26 to 39, getting about 55%. So 55% from 26 to 39 and 45% in the other age bracket. So Tom, uh, very, very well known all across the globe, and we see that when we look at um, both where his followers are and the ethnicities of his followers, uh, 42%. Hispanic following for Tom Brady, followed by 36% Caucasian. That is an incredibly high number of Hispanics following uh, one social channel, specifically one for Brady, and about 14% African American. And when you look at the location of where Brady's followers are, of course, biggest in the U.S., but only about 35% here in the U.S., 15% in Mexico, 10% in the Philippines, and so on. Tom has a global audience, one that he communicates communicates with on Facebook directly. He's very, very um, uh, popular on Facebook and uses it a lot. And uh, that's why he has almost 4 million followers on uh, on Facebook. So interesting to look at uh, Tom. And the, and the third guy we look at is, is Alex Rodriguez, which um, has gotten off to a horrendous start. Uh, age has caught up with him in every every step of the way. He's really, really gotten off to a, t- a bad start uh, and now has hurt his oblique and could be on the DL. When we look at uh, Hyper's data, we see A-Rod with about 1.5 million followers on Facebook. Um, so Tom Brady, 3.5 million. A-Rod, 1.5 million. A-Rod is also uh, has an, a Twitter and an Instagram presence with about 180,000 followers on Twitter and about a little over 320,000 followers on Instagram. Similar to Tom Brady, by far his biggest um, engagement is on Facebook where he has 1.5 million fans, and he's getting about 14.5 likes per post. So even though there's not a lot of people that like A-Rod, like me, he is getting about 14,000 likes for every post that he puts up. And he's getting about 8,200 likes per post on Instagram. So not a huge following with about 326,000, but getting a good number of engagement on Instagram. So people either like or dislike what he put up. 
when I looked at his audience analytics, I was a little surprised. I thought he would have more female uh, followers. He's you know, a sort of an A-list celebrity, New York, everyone knows, a good-looking guy, but uh, A-Rod with 82% men who follow him. So a uh, big number um, of his combined followers, about 82% of those individuals are indeed men. And I thought the most interesting thing is when you actually look at his audience breakdown, by far his mo- he is most popular in 12 to 18-year-olds, which I am stunned on because I would have figured the 26 to 39 is really his age and, and the people that know him, like myself, who grew up with him. But uh, I would say 50% of his following is 12 to 25, which, uh, which is really surprising, and it's why Hyper provides us with all this great information. I just would have never... I expected a 13, 14, 15-year-old 15 15-year-old kid to be following A-Rod and, and really care about what A-Rod is saying and what he's doing. I mean, he's an older player who's broken down. Um, so it's very, very surprising to see a guy like A-Rod uh, have that many young fans. So uh, it's interesting to see how Hyper is able to provide us that. When we look at the ethnicity of A-Rod's uh, audience, we see uh, 43% Caucasian, of course, to f- 33% Hispanic. So that makes up about 80% of his ethnicity. And very big in the U.S., 65% of A-Rod's fans are in the U.S. and then some others in South America and, and London and Canada. But really a very much focused uh, presence here in the U.S., and as I said, sort of a real shock seeing um, 50% of A-Rod's social media fans from the ages 12 to 25, which really is a, uh, a little bit of a head-scratcher. So um, that is your Hyper Heat Report for Episode 31, and uh, we started the show today talking a lot about fan engagement and uh, how important it is to engage the fan today, the fan who's, if you ever go to a game, sitting there staring at their phones, uh, taking pictures, Snapchatting, doing all kinds of stuff. And we thought it would be good to have a show where we talk to a a number of really interesting sports technologies that are game changers in the space. And we just had on Darren Trustell, the CEO of 1UP Sports Network, who really has the premier product out in the space when you think about a product that, brands have latched onto, consumers have latched onto, and they're, and they're playing the games. And a couple of weeks ago, I was fortunate enough to be introduced to Anthony Lage over at the Crowds Line, and Anthony's built an incredibly interesting platform and business, which he'll take us through now. And his whole concept is around getting numbers and numbers of large-scale predictions. And the idea that he has is that if you get um, large-scale numbers of predictions, it's actually more accurate than the spread that the Vegas crowdsourced uh, betting line uh, is. So we're going to be doing some interesting work with Anthony and the crowds line over the next couple of weeks as we start to promote uh, the show together and some of the stuff that he's up to. And he'll take us through the next 10 or 15 minutes talking about the crowds line. Anthony, welcome to Inside the Burger Shop podcast. It's always hot in here. The grill is super hot. So be careful where you walk and what you say. How is everything? Everything is great. I'm going to be careful. I really appreciate you having me on the show. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, I love what you work you guys are doing. So you know, I'd love to sort of get right into it and tell the audience, um, you know, this is not an area that is easy to uh, solve. It's an area that there's a lot of new ideas, new apps, new technologies that are, that think they have the answer. You know, you're a, a former Wall Street guy. Um, how'd you get started with the crowds on? Yeah, that's a good question. So my background, I've spent about 15 years on Wall Street uh, as a trader, and you know, basically what I did all day was look at um, prices versus sentiment. There's all sorts of sentiment indicators. I was over you know, on the Bloomberg terminal, and I was constantly uh, trying to evaluate you know, the real value and the relative value of all the different you know, stocks, bonds, and derivatives that I was trading. And, um, you know, so it's something that um, I've done for my entire career. And um, oddly enough, um, you know, I grew up a huge sports fan, big baseball uh, card collector, played football, baseball, and basketball, played basketball in college. But when I got up here and I got into trading, of all things, I got into horse racing, and I just loved, you know, the quantitative aspect and how it overlapped with what I did every day, and it was just, uh, it was just a ton of fun. And what I did notice is that some of the, uh, the handicapping tools were a little archaic in that, um, in that they focused on, you know, a horse in isolation rather than relative to the other horses. And I just thought. Well, you know, there's there's just better sources of information out there that aren't being uh, tapped into, and um, you know, so I basically I created a, a crowdsourced morning line, where we, you know, created a game. The game was to basically weight the horses according to the you know the probability that that they would win. We aggregated them together and then compared our line versus an actual morning line, and then when, once the um, the live odds were available, we could compare them versus the live odds, and we we're really successful with that. It was something that, you know, really harnessed the, the, the wisdom of the crowds. Um, but, you know, horse racing has its own set of issues. And, you know, people around me had, uh, had suggested, you know, if, if you can do this for horses, can you do it for, you know, other types of sports? And, you know, I thought about it for a little bit. I'm like, yeah, we can do it for anything that has a final score um, that we can evaluate. So, um, so we moved away from the horse racing and we created the crowds line and we incorporated it in, you know, gee, November of 2014. And we've, we've basically built a platform that's, um, that generates predictions. So we, in a contest form, format, ask people what their score prediction is for upcoming games, whether it's baseball, basketball. We're going to be doing so- soccer in the um, late summer and fall. Um, we're going to be getting into other areas like politics, but basically it's, it's pretty simple. Um, we ask people for a prediction. We aggregate all those predictions together. We offer prizes to the, the, the best predictors and the data on the back end, because we're actually asking for an actual score instead of, you know, who do you think is going to win a, you know, a Boolean or binary type of, of outcome. We're actually asking them what they think the score is going to be, and as it turns out, um, and this is not based on only on what we've done, but with other academic research, um, the power of the crowd—a a one-for-one vote—is is pretty significant, and we've had uh, we've had some success so far. 
How does the consumer come across this? So is this an app? Is it a unit that is placed in, yeah. in, in digitally? Is it both of those? Is it social? Yeah. How does sort of the consumer who's sitting at work, you know, Monday yeah. back after a long weekend, you know, excited about the Blues yeah. and Blackhawks game for night, for example, yeah. or, or, or the, the Heat game, they yeah. go to ESPN.com or CBS and you have a unit there. How does the normal consumer consume your game? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways. Um, so right now we have our own property. So we have an iOS app. We have an Android app. We have uh, a website, uh, thecrowdsline.com. And we also have a prediction tool um, that we serve up to our, some media partners. So we have data licensing agreements with uh, CBS Sports, Fox Sports, um, SB Nation, just to, just to name a few. And so that's, that's where they, they encounter our particular product. But we've had, uh, to be quite honest, and it's interesting, you know, just coming on this, the show, the, the, the social aspect is pretty interesting for predictions. Um, we've, been, we've had uh, a lot of success on Facebook uh, just basically providing some editorial content about upcoming games. Um, you know, we're covering the NBA playoffs right now. We're not covering the NHL playoffs. We'll do that next year. But um, – we basically we write an article about an upcoming game, we post it to Facebook, we target you know the the fans of each of the respective teams, and we you know we send it out there for a modest amount, and the engagement um, just off of our blog, which has a, a prediction tool embedded in it, uh, is 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 really off the charts. So that's how people encounter it. It's basically social, our own um, uh, apps and properties, and then. Um, with uh, with some of our um, sports media partners, it's sort of funny because you know you 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 spend time on websites and you never click on banners, you never click on units the way you have. You have units that are uh, as part, sort of part of an article or part of the landscape and CBS or SB Nation, and and you're seeing click-throughs that are you know incredible as far as the numbers and the engagement with the, the actual prediction and, and, and some more information. Um, why is that? Are people fascinated with creating predictions? Do they believe that they're smarter than yeah. the person creating the line? Why do you think that in an area that is so uh, desperate for clicks, um, yeah. people click on your stuff left and right? Yeah, so um, so I'll, I'll, I'll throw a couple numbers out there just to give you the, the idea of how, how powerful our, our prediction tool is. You know, a, a, a basic display ad or banner ad that pops up, you know, you're going to get uh, basically 0.1% or 0.3% type of click-through if you're lucky. Um, if we have our widget tool on SB Nation or Fox or CBS, and it's part of an article that's talking about an upcoming game like the Super Bowl, we're going to get one out of four, one out of five uh, people, you know, clicking on this. So this is this is orders of magnitude more attractive and interactive than what's currently out there. And the reason why, I think, I think it's uh, there's a few reasons. I think um, one thing is is that people are um, they love to predict. This is this is part of their routine. We're not asking them to do any work or asking them to do anything that they're not used to doing. Basically, all the, the coverage leading up to a particular game is going to revolve around, you know, um, quantitative analysis, um, people, you know, um, debating back and forth, you know, what's going to happen. 
Uh, but everything comes down to the entire conversation comes down to who is going to win, and we all, you know, go through that process of oh, you know, who's in the Super Bowl? I mean, two teams, and you're like, oh, it's going to be this. And so it's part of the routine that really hasn't been been tapped into uh, too much. And I think I think we've kind of touched a nerve here with with uh, the people that have encountered uh, the crowds line. And they want to predict. They want to provide the rationale. And they also want to have access to data they can't get anywhere else. So we can basically compare um, our aggregated lines, if we will, because we have, like, team lines. We have uh, our own crowds line. And then we can compare that to whatever the individual is is predicting and compare that to actual prices in, in Vegas or offshore. So it's just a way to kind of contextualize where where the mind of the the market is and who's going to win. It's just it's all about answering that particular question, who is going to win, and we're, we've just come up with a different way of doing it. Is your belief that the Vegas line, the line that is created forever for a game, is is actually not the right line, but it's the right line to get what their goal is, which is to sort of have even action on both sides, but that, that it's not really the right game line? Is that sort of what your belief is when you look at how accurate your predictions have been from a group of people yeah. versus an individual? I, I think it's just different. I think, you know, the, ultimately, you know, being a market maker back in the good old days, you don't really care about, um, you know, what the eventual outcome is. You just want to make money. So the the, the goal of the, the lines maker is not necessarily to, um, you know, predict the actual winner and the exact point spread. It's to, to create a market based around where sentiment is and where the supply-demand is meeting each other and, and create that market balance the books and then, you know, completely flesh that out. And then what we what we're doing is we want to actually, you know, predict that outcome. And we've got kind of uh just just as Vegas does has has have you know, we have our arms tied around our back in that, you know, there's not all games are gonna offer value. There's gonna be certain games that are just wild and off the charts and that's something that like what we've seen with the first round. I mean the number of blowouts, you know, that basically the, the spread, uh, the final spread has been, you know, over eight points uh, 80% of the time. So there's been 20, 30, 30 games, 24 of them. Um, the winner has won eight or more points. Um, so it's, you know, the, the bottom line is what we're looking to do is to predict outcomes. They're looking to make money. If there's no conflict or who, who's right and who's wrong. It's just trying to accomplish two two separate goals. A couple of years ago, I sat with my buddy Darren Trusdell, who we just had on the show earlier before you, who was the CEO of, of One Up Sports, and he told me something a long time ago, which was the best way to, to make it in this industry is to keep it really simple. And he developed a game called One Up Connect, which is basically Connect Four for sports, and of course has grown their business into an incredible... I mean, you, yours is predictions. It, it pretty much can't get simpler than that. Do you agree yeah. that, that you know, all these people come up with all these amazing ideas and fan engagement tools and this and that, but it just feels like the stuff that sticks and the stuff that people really want to engage in and want to play are the yeah. stuff that's the simplest. Yeah, and, and that's, that's you know, they can dive, you know, the, the end user can dive as deep as they want, but you cannot um, ask them to do too much. And it's just, it's you know, the co- consumer in aggregate is just so intelligent. They're not going to do work for you, and you've got to provide a, a value proposition that is extremely robust. And for us, 
you know, they give us the prediction and we give them back data they can't get anywhere else. We give them an opportunity to play in a contest where they can win free prizes. It's not gambling. It's, you know, if everything is free, it'll always be free. And then they also, you know, a lot of times it's like, oh, what did I predict for that particular game? Well, you get a chance to, to basically create your own historical record or personal scorecard, if you will. And we keep track of everything and give you your percentages on how you're doing. You know, your win percentage, your your percentage, your win percentage versus the spread versus the over-under, you know, your underdog percentage. And all this is is just – it's really good, interesting information. And, you know, what, what, what we like to say with the crowd line, you're always going to win because you don't have to part with any of your money. No question. That's a good line. And I was talking to Anthony Lodge from uh, the crowd's line, the CEO and founder, and done an incredible job with an idea that has really taken off consumers uh, incredibly engaged with it. And, of course, any time that a consumer is engaged with something, the next word usually that follows that is brands. And um, so you've almost created an ad unit um, inside these websites that brands have the opportunity to own and be a part of at a time in which we said people don't really click on ad units. Um, so I imagine from a partner standpoint, um, you've got sort of a real interesting opportunity to roll this thing out and get this uh, either to the right brands through you guys or I guess through a media company who can help um, sell some of your inventory and start to have brands a part of it, huh? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's something that, uh, you know, we were, we were hyper-focused uh, for the vast majority of 2015 on growth for growth. We had 7 million um, views of our product. We have had a million predictions. So, you know, just launching in September of 2015, we got off to a great start. And we were going to, you know, basically uh, have the focus of the company to, to growth, um, you know, just the, the user base is as big as possible, um, but a couple interesting things happened where we're just like, we can build a business right now. The, fir- the first thing is is that, you know, with all the market hysterics, you know, oil going to zero back in January, we decided to reevaluate. We've got, you know, basically a platform that is too interesting and, you know, customers that are, are too engaged to let, you know, the market dictate, you know, where we're going to be priced. So, we started looking at real business opportunities. And then the other thing and that, that, that you highlighted is just the engagement statistics. So we were really hyper-focused on creating a value proposition where people would want to participate and want to engage. And, you know, the results were really kind of quite surprising. And what we realized is, yeah, we had really interesting data analytics that are sticky and that people want and that, uh, you know, we're going to be able to, to sell that data and, uh, you know, those data analytics uh, down the road. But, you know, the thing that, that really, I guess, you know, the, out, the outcome of the whole NFL and college football season is that we have something that is insanely engaging, and we just we can, we can sell that, those engage, engagement metrics to sponsors, and they can, you know, basically help us grow this enormous platform that's going to be, you know, beneficial to, uh, you know, a lot of different folks. And it's, it's not a zero-sum game, and it's something that uh, we think that, you know, the crowd line is going to benefit. You know, ultimately, everything is about our users and generating enormous value for them and the, and the contest that they play in and the experience that they have. And then we want to, you know, create a really awesome um, and robust proposition by connecting directly with brands, but also uh, connecting with brands through our media partners. So, um, 
yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of different ways that we that we can monetize that, and that's that's something where you know we should be announcing some some interesting uh, partnerships in the the next few months. And is that the way you sort of you're a consumer? You play, you predict, you win, and you receive a fifty dollar Amazon card or fifty dollar gift card. Is that coming from a brand? Or that comes from you, or it's sort of a combination of the two? Yeah, that's a great question. So we have three contests, and you know sometimes the big, you know, for like the, the the Super Bowl and all those other things, we had, you know, up to you know we were giving away you know. Three to three to four thousand dollars, and that was a combination of you know two hundred and fifty dollar Amazon cards and Starbucks cards and things like that. But we were just actually buying those ourselves, and we bought about you know sixty thousand dollars worth of worth of prizes. But we're we're you're, we're basically working with brands right now that can you know access the attention of our our, our users and uh, new users as we you know go out on these these big large campaigns. And, you know, the prizes can be something that, um, you know, if just for playing you're going to receive a coupon you can't get anywhere else. By winning you're going to receive gift cards and, and all sorts of interesting promotions from, from the brand that, that, that we have on there. But it is going to expand from, you know, something where we just have, you know, gift cards that we're giving away to, you know, big sweepstakes type prizes and large gift cards and, and you know, basically from brands that, that people, you know, want to have, right. um, you know, their, their products. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. So you can follow the crowds line at the crowds line on Twitter and where they're really hopping is over on Facebook. Incredible amount of engagement, huge number of followers. Uh, Anthony lives from the crowds line. Thanks so much for joining us today. Looking forward to doing some really cool stuff with you guys over the next couple of weeks. And again, thanks for spending some time on uh, inside the burger shop podcast today. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Look forward to talking Be to well. you. Be well. Um, right, very care. cool stuff, you know, that, that Anthony has built. Uh, thanks to him and his team for coming on the show today and spending a couple of minutes with us. It's uh, so many great ideas are out there, so much incredible technology. Um, and again, the key with all of it, and we heard it from Anthony, and we heard it from Darren today, is to stay simple, stay basic. And Darren created a game that was basically Connect Four for sports. Anthony has created a game in which you just predict who you think is going to win. And by so many people wanting to do that and engaging with it and downloading it and, and getting involved in it, he is now have the ability just the way Darren does to now approach brands directly with a group of fans. And we know that fans are much more passionate and powerful than a normal consumer. And uh, both Anthony and Darren have done a great job of building up a community and having uh, fans that they can sell to brands and sell to opportunities. So thanks to both of those guys for coming on. I hope everybody got a lot out of those interviews. I thought they were really interesting, uh, dynamic companies that have using technology and really interesting ways and, of course, keeping it you know, really, really simple. So uh, thanks to those guys for coming on. Thanks to Hyper for all the great data, the Hyper Heat Report today. Uh, as well as their you know, incredible and data. And I just wanted to touch on one thing before we leave, and that's the big news that broke about an hour ago, a lot of news in sports today, and that's the news that Mike Tirico will be moving from ESPN to, um, to NBC. And 
it's such a a unexpected move uh the voice of uh, football for ESPN, the voice of a lot of college hoops, college football, uh, Newhouse, Syracuse guy, really the best in the space. Moving over to NBC, who doesn't have a lot of sports and has gotten a little bit forgotten when you think about sports, when you know, CBS with uh, with the uh, football stuff and, and, of course, college hoops and ESPN and Fox Sports 1 and ABC with NBA. And I guess really the NBC will you know have some golf and, and of course, have Sunday night football. And how does Tarico, uh is he sort of next in line when Al Michaels uh, gives it up or is Tarico going to join him? And how is that all going to work? But, of course, just huge news in, uh, sport, in the sports media space with the top guy, uh, exiting ESPN, which uh, has become a pattern. And as uh, time goes, the ESPN continues to lose the top, top talent. And a lot of that has to do with just not wanting to pay um, top, top talent to be there, uh, feeling as though the brand is strong enough where you don't need guys like Simmons and guys like Tarico and um, and eventually Skip Bayless and others who are being uh, nabbed by the com- competition all over. And, of course, that competition to get these guys is going to spend a lot more than ESPN is going to. And uh, you're seeing just an incredible uh, depletion of all this amazing talent uh, leaving uh, – Bristol. So interesting stuff today. Uh, thanks to everybody for coming on. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. You could, of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes inside the Burger Shop. Have a great week, everybody. And as my man Mad Dog Russo likes to say, adios. Podcast, the one that you heard about, talking sports media, buzz and the word of mouth, social is the currency, seeing what the buzz will be, talking sports and culture, you never know what'll be coming next, cause that's the type of podcast you listen to, powered by the hyper, brands, who the man, yo, Ryan at the forefront, got it on my iTunes, walking through the storefront, listen to the broadcast, he touches almost anything, sports, culture, media, technology, and marketing, so listen to the man right ahead of his time, on your podcast, you can download or listen live, so here comes the podcast here comes your host the burger shop now live from coast to coast in any way you want to do it listen to the show ron got the insights the burger shop you know Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.